Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Danoff, and welcome to What's Next Now, the podcast featuring the journeys of people who are starting or running a business and the impact their journey can have for you. My guest today is someone I met less than three months ago. We were introduced by a mutual business colleague and had a few exchanges and both agreed, you know, we should really get together for coffee. And so we met in Washington, or I think it was Bethesda. And you know that feeling you get when you meet someone and something inside of you just says, hey, this is my kind of people. Like, I really need to be connected with this person. Well, that was the feeling that I got, and I can tell you has been substantiated since I met with Tracy Madigan, media training and director of the 15 Minutes Group in Washington, D.C. and New York. Tracy, welcome to What's Next Now. Thank you, Gary. This is great to be here. It's great to have this forum with you. And I was wondering for the audience, could you start off, given the really interesting background that you have as a businesswoman and a career builder, with a few of the big steps along the way that you took to getting to where you are today and even some of the pivots you had to make? And because those little fillers are always really interesting. Yeah. So basically, in my past, it's a pretty, it started off quite simple. And it looked like this, in case you haven't heard my ridiculous accent yet, I am from Canada. And I studied journalism in Canada. I studied in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and got my first start in TV and radio out there. Oh, wow. And then I moved back to my hometown after studying journalism. I moved back to my hometown, and I worked for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. I did that for several years. I was working in radio, in TV, and I even started working online when I had my kids. Online. So, there's, an, there's an old phrase. Yeah. Online. It was, I was the first, this is how old I am, I was the first online journalist for CBC Montreal. Get out. At the time, they said, well, we're not sure if this whole internet thing is going to take off, but apparently some places are putting news stories up on the web. So let's, and because I had worked in TV and radio at the CBC, this was, and it was very conducive. I, I had studied computer science in college before studying journalism. So I, I liked computers. I loved that kind of thing. Neat. And so that's what I, I did there. Cool. And then my husband became White House correspondent in Washington, D.C. And so he was given the position for two years, ages ago. And so we moved down temporarily to Washington, D.C. Just a little while. Kids were young. And we said, you know what? We'll just... We kept our phone number in Montreal. We kept our apartment in Montreal. We said, we're going to go down there for a two-year adventure, and then we'll come back up and we'll get back to our jobs. And that was many years ago. That was 18 years different. ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, my joke is that we're going to move back when American politics stops being interesting. <laughs> because that contract kept, kept, yes, kept getting renewed. And so you talk about pivot. So what happened was I was on this two-year leave of absence living happily in D.C. The kids were young. It was this whole different way of living my life with young kids. And when we found out that it wasn't going to be as temporary as we thought, mm -hmm. then things started sh to shift professionally and, quite frankly, legally, because I needed certain paperwork to be able to work in Washington, D.C. Right. And so... I started the process to get a, a green card and to be able to work legally in the States. It was such a proud moment when we became citizens of the United States. That That's was really wonderful. important to us. And so, because we love it here. We love it in D.C. We love everything about this city, the region. And so, in the meantime, once I got 
my papers to be able to legally work here with the green card while I was waiting for the citizenship, I became executive producer of a business show that was produced at WJLA. And that was really my first American job producing back in my field, right? What was that show about? So it was a weekly business show that focused on business in the Washington, D.C. region. So yeah, what was trending, who were the people, who were the playmakers, etc., It was a really great show. It was really, really interesting. It had a great following, and it ended up getting canceled. I then, because I was still so married to my profession, then I was producing a show at Sirius XM. Love doing that. And it was then I got the bug, right? In the meantime, slowly, I was getting the opportunity to help people get interviewed on the media. I was working with a friend of mine named Ann Dickerson, who was running a very successful company called 15 Minutes Group. Now, she was a friend of mine, and she lived in my neighborhood, and she knew that I worked in the media. And so we started working together where she was saying, can you help some of my clients? Because she was getting more and more people coming her way. You know why? Because the landscape was changing. And when it came to the media, people were realizing that When you did something on air, that was going to live online. That wasn't just something that you heard on the radio, saw on TV, and it never happened again. People were feeling the stakes rise when it came to speaking to the media. And then that spread out. Remember when you used to speak on a boring panel or you'd attend a boring panel? I've done a few of those. There you go. (laughs) Right? You're in the audience. You're saying, this is kind of boring. And you're thinking, there's an hour I'll never get back. But you, you never had to worry about it again. But now panels were being posted online, and they were searchable, etc. So Anne's market for training people to speak better was getting wider and wider. And that's when I came on and worked uh, with 15 Minutes Group in a more permanent fashion. And I haven't looked back since. And that's where you are today. That's exactly where I am today. It's called 15 Minutes Group because of Andy Warhol uh, and the quote, the Everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. Exactly. I love that. It's still true today, although maybe it's five minutes of fame. <laughs> exactly. Given this, 45 seconds? <laughs> the social media world has modified yes. Andy's yes. saying just a little bit. So, you know, I was looking over your LinkedIn profile in preparation for the show, Tracy, and one of the things that I think caused me to have that feeling when we met, that feeling of, oh, this is my kind of person we need to be connected, is you say that you want to help energetic people overcome things that are holding them back and connect with the audiences, whether that's their employees, peers, investors, or an audience they're delivering a presentation to. And it sounds like that's the sweet spot that you're in right now. It's unbelievable. I am fortunate enough to meet people who are so smart. They're so smart. I'm talking about researchers, scientists, authors, people who have literally written a book on a certain subject, but that doesn't mean that they're comfortable speaking about it, speaking about it to specific audiences, speaking about it to a wide audience where you know it's going to be broadcast and so nerves can get in the way. And so think of how lucky I am. People are very teachable when they can feel what's at stake and they know how important it is to communicate something and they already know their stuff. So it's not a question of becoming familiar with the subject matter. They know their stuff. They just need to know how the media will see it, how an audience will see it, how a moderator of a panel will see it. And I help them package their content in a way that will be palatable for those different audiences. Right, right. Yeah, I know that about you because in the corresponding that you and I have done in the IMs and the emails, because we have a couple things that we're, we're brewing up together for future announcement and release, 
your writing and messaging style is what I coined. I was thinking about it. It's like, there's something about how she communicates. And I came up with a two-word phrase, which is beautifully short, <laughs> beautifully short. And, and so my question for you is, you know, you talk about teaching people this. How do you coach beautifully short without someone giving up their voice? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in the context of AI, where it's so easy to have kind of a surrogate for our voice, but yet AI is not intended to be our voice. Yeah. So how do you coach somebody into beautifully short and have them still be authentic? I think the answer is Brene Brown says that clarity is kindness. So if you can be clear, you know, we've all gotten those emails where you're yeah. like, nah, 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 and background and long paragraphs, and then you're scanning it going, okay, what, what do you want me to do? What's the <laughs> thing that you want me to do? What's the actionable item here? In French, we have an expression, you say, you have to be able to read something diagonally to just kind of, uh, just, you know, oh, s- scan it diagonally to kind of get an idea of what it's going for. Right. So I think the rule of thumb when it comes to how do you help people express themselves more succinctly yes. while still sounding like themselves is helping them create that connection with their audience. So picture, if you are pitching an idea to a potential investor, the words you use, the tone you use will be very different than if you were just explaining it to someone at a cocktail party, this pitch of yours, this idea of yours. Right. And the, the, the reason those two should sound different is because both of those people need different things. One is someone's going to need details about something. Someone's going to need to know the origin story of something. If you're at a cocktail party and you're just explaining your passion project, they need to know different things. They just need to know why you're doing it and how you feel about it, et cetera. So keeping the message succinct is the connection that happens between yourself and your audience, understanding what they need. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And then kind of adjusting your message, and it might have to be three or four times or three or four different messages so that you're really kind of giving a bespoke delivery to that audience. Yes, yes. And think of it this way. Teachers, when they speak to their classrooms, so either with young students or even university professors, the reason nine times out of 10, professors aren't as nervous in front of their students as they are when they're presenting to a different audience, because that's what I say. I work with a lot of professors and they say, I don't know why I'm so nervous speaking to the media. I do this all day long. And the reason I believe is because when you're a professor and you're teaching to students, your brain is always what they're receiving. So you know what you need to be explaining and you say, okay, ask me if you, tell me if you have any questions and do you understand the concept of X and do you need me to go over that? Because you're always thinking, are they getting this? Do they understand? And not enough people think like that when they're doing a keynote speech or when they're doing a pitch or any kind of presentation, they're thinking about themselves. They get caught up, right? With their own nerves. Right. I sound this and I don't like the sound of my voice and I'm not sure what the slides are and I feel, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? And they're not thinking enough about their audience, once they start to think about their audience, they'll feel a little bit less nervous because now their goal is more clear where they say, I just want you to understand. Never mind how I sound. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so important that we make sure that our audience understands. And there's another word that I wonder if you feel like is important, and that's that our audience feels what we're saying. And I, I also got to hear you speak on another podcast by a good mutual friend we have, Tony McClarahan, of um, People Playbook over in, in the UK and Ireland. And on that show, his show, Three Things, you said right in the margin of a, of a presentation you're delivering, when I'm saying this, 
What do I want people to feel? And I just thought that was brilliant, Tracy. Oh, I love hearing you say that that connected with you. You know why? Because that, not only does that emotionally map your talk so that you're bringing the audience along with you, but it gives you permission to speak in that voice. And here's what I mean by that is that in the margin, as you say, you can literally write the word frustrated. Hmm. And then that paragraph, that section of your talk is the part where when you're appealing to an audience, you can say, the way the system is right now, it's just not working for people. We need something to change for this to happen. And that emotion of frustration should come through in how you're delivering it. But guess what? It's also going to help you in you write it because it's going to you you have a little goal for each part of your talk. The next talk might be hopeful where you're talking about the possibility of where the solution lies and the doors that it could open. And so it'll change your tone. It'll change the verbs you choose to write because mm. you know what you're going for. And then consistently, because you're thinking of your emotion, you're allowing yourself to speak with emotion. Your audience can feel that in you and they can feel your passion. Yeah. God. I know that's so powerful in my own opportunities to speak one-on-one or one-to-many. And I think it's often been said that people don't remember what you say, but boy, they remember how you make them feel. Yes, exactly. So how do you tap into that and say, oh, I can feel. <laughs> Just let me add it. I can feel. This is my project. I can do this, right? And how do you allow yourself to feel the feels, like they say? Maybe you just shake your head and you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to give you a quick intro to my advising and coaching practice. We are all facing challenging times right now, no matter where or how we are working. It seems like uncertainty is as prevalent these days as the air we breathe. It is pretty crazy. But as uncertain and unstable as the environment feels right now, at the same time, there is tremendous opportunity all around you to change roles, change companies, or to actually change your entire life. And yes, now is the time. Ask yourself, why not create a vision of the role you want, the work environment you want, the people you want to work with, and how you want to work based on the impact that you want to make in the world? Why not? And I can show you how. Working together with me as an advisor and coach, we'll discover together your true why motivation. And then I'll help you turn the why into the how and then the doing, getting things done, mapping out and taking steps and actions that end up in the career and often the life change that brings more contentment, satisfaction, impact, and often income that you want. So if you or someone you know and trust is motivated to achieve more, shape a new vision of what you'd rather be doing, then I invite you to schedule what I call a chemistry call, where I will listen to you for up to 60 minutes as you describe, and I listen, to what you would like to change, achieve, or lead, and your sense of a strong desire and urgency to make it happen in a new and different way. There's no charge for this one session as we determine together if coaching with me will serve you. You can reach me at Gary at GaryDanoff.com. Thank you for listening today. And I wish you great success and imagination in what is possible for you. 
I wonder if you could tell us about how people gain confidence in the content of their message, that is, what they want to say. And maybe it's some of what you were just talking about, or maybe there's a little bit something different there from their inside out. When you ask that question, it makes me think of a someone I was working with who was a caterer, and she was going to be speaking at a catering conference. Now, she came to me because she said, I'm just so nervous. It was a wonderful, wonderful talk about how to recycle underused meals and what do you do with all that? You know, when you go to an event and they have, you know, chicken, beef or vegetarian. Well, guess what? Mathematically, there's going to be a lot of leftover food if you're giving everybody. 30% of it gets thrown out. Logically, right? So this woman I was working with was brilliant and she had this idea on how to better recycle the food that was being used. Right. So here was her roadblock. She didn't know it until we started working together. She said, oh, I just feel, I'm, I feel nervous. I feel, I'm concerned about how my message will be received. Mm. And we talked about it a little bit more. And I said, I don't really understand what the problem is. You know your stuff. You've been doing this for years. You know that the method that you're sharing with this group of fellow caterers works because you've tried it and it works for you. And she said, I know. She goes, I think it's just because everybody in the room has their own methods of conserving food and, 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 you know, they have a methodology. And I don't want to be seen as preaching to them that my way is the right way. I want to share what does work for me in case it's helpful to them. But I'm not in a position to be speaking down at them. And I said, ah, There's I your, think yeah. we just tapped into what the problem is. So you know what the remedy was? We literally just said at the beginning of her talk, I know that everybody in here has a method that works for them. And... I would like to hear your method. Today, I'm sharing my method. Let me tell you how my method has worked for me. In ca- and if you have any questions after, come up and ask me about it. Here's what I've been doing. Once she began her talk with that statement, right. she was allowing her own brain to say, I'm not talking down at these people. I'm acknowledging right. that they know just as much, if not more, right. than me. That. But I've been asked to speak today. Right. And then she didn't feel that burden of worrying and wondering whether people in the audience were thinking, who does she think she is to stand up here and tell us how it's done? She set the record straight from the get-go saying, I know I don't know more than you. Let me just tell you my story. And she knocked it out of the park. That is so cool. So she liberated herself. Exactly. She eliminated her inner critic, all that self-judgment that we all have. What a great tip for our audience today, Tracy. I love that. I love that. One of the things that you also say on your LinkedIn summary is that you can tell right away whether a person's message will be understood by a wider audience. What do you look for to know this? Like, what is the clue that you hear, you see, or you sense? Yeah. So, you know what that where that comes from? Years of being a TV and radio journalist where you're sitting there with a microphone having a conversation with a brilliant person who, by the way, you've pre-interviewed on the phone. So you know what they can say because they've said it. (laughs) And sometimes when you go down there to do the actual interview with a videographer, and there's two of you now, and that little red light comes on, just like in the sitcoms, sometimes they freeze up and they're a completely different person, right? So your job is to get them to say the thing that you know they can say because they said it when they were really, really comfortable on the phone and there was no pressure. Right. So you're spending the entire interview saying, what's that clip? What's that one short segment that wraps up, that explains what I need this expert to explain in a really succinct way? And sometimes you have to ask the question over and over again because 
they're kind of answering it, but it's a bit too long, or they're kind of answering, but there are too many caveats in it. That's what I get with experts all the time. They always feel the need to add the caveats and the exceptions to the rule when really we just need them to explain something really in a simple way, right? So that's why sometimes journalists will ask the same question over and over again because they're looking for you to say it in a succinct way. And by the way, our, our brain can play tricks on us going, didn't you just ask this exact same question but in a different <laughs> way? And the answer is yes, the journalists did. They're just making sure that you, you're creating something that they can use as a quote. So when I media train people, I'm essentially telling them, how do you create your quote before the interview even begins? Mm. What do you want to be quoted on? Because people will say to me, gosh, you know what? I spoke to this print reporter for like half an hour, and the only quote they took from me was this pithy little thing that I didn't want to be quoted on. <laughs> and they use that. And unfortunately, my response is usually, that might be the only thing that was a self-contained thought of interest, and everything else is going to come out not as a quote, but as the background that they gave you. So mm. how do you think in advance of what you want them to walk away with? And that's the work that we do. That's the messaging that we, not messaging, but the the tweaking of your your message and the distilling of all the breadth of knowledge into something that's palatable for the journalist and for their audience. It's so interesting. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a couple common threads that I've heard already, which are the woman who was speaking to an audience about how to recompost discard of food at a, a catering event, and the person who you just talked about getting their message down succinctly. And a lot of it is in my industry, what we talk about is getting rid of the inner critic. You know, that sense of self-judgment, self-doubt, self-criticism, which is part of the human condition. Nobody escapes it. So do you do a lot of coaching with people inadvertently? It's not the main thing you do. I get that. But to help them eschew that, push that aside so they can get clarity on their message? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know why? Because when you, and you don't have to dig deep, but when you ask a couple of questions, people will share with you what is holding them back when it comes to communications. Mm. So either they had that nightmare public speaking thing in high school that they just can't forget, or frankly, you know, they've been, they've had a negative media experience where mm. they say, this did not work out the way I wanted to. And I, frankly, I got into trouble. And mm. again, I'm going to say it one more time. Sometimes these things end up on the internet forever. So, yeah. so they're nervous about something. Yeah. So the answer to your question on, do you end up coaching them is absolutely because you need to work on that thing that's preventing them from being a succinct communicator. So right. sometimes, you know, I was mentioning before about the caveats and the exceptions. People sometimes feel like imposters in their own industry mm. because they know that their colleagues and their contemporaries will be listening to this and they feel bad distilling something into a simple message because they want to make sure that everybody knows that they do know a lot about this subject. And I'm there to tell them that they have permission to be able to explain things in a simpler way. What a great service you provide. I mean, <laughs> really, I, I truly feel that way. It's, it's part of the why that feeling went off inside of me. I need to know this person. <laughs> uh, I think in a way we do similar work with different outcomes. And speaking of that, I want to bridge over to a phenomena happening in the world today, which is around people trying to come back to work together in the human form, two days a week, three days a week, whatever. And this is causing what? It's causing people to have to have conversations in person. Remember? <laughs> Remember those? Oh, yes, human <laughs> beings. We can talk to each other. 
So I guess my question here is, is it a byproduct of the media training that you do or the conversational presentation training you do that people get a benefit of how to become more comfortable getting back into their groove around just communicating? Yeah, that is absolutely one of the benefits. It's interesting how you ask the question because whenever I do a media training session, people will say, oh my gosh, this is going to help me with my spouse. This is going to help me negotiate right? my new used car that I'm trying to, right? to buy. This is going to help me you know, with, with people who are working below me, with people who are working above me. Yeah. The tactics that we use to get our message across succinctly to the media, I'm doing air quotes, right. is something that we could and should be doing all the time. No one wants to hear you drone on when you're at the grocery store and they, someone needs help with something and no one wants to hear you. Like, how are we consistently doing that so that we can connect and say, am I understood? Yes, I'm understood. Good. Let's move on to the next thing to make our time more valuable because you're cutting out all the stuff that isn't necessary. I think we all know somebody, right? Where you think, oh, I'd love for you to have cut out all that other part of that story that didn't need to be told. (laughs) So once you learn how to speak succinctly to the media, you're speaking succinctly all the time. Tracy, you know, you've had this incredible training and background professional experience in the broadcast industry, both television broadcast and radio and media. You teach people how to communicate in a beautifully short fashion. You're part of the 15 Minutes group. I'm wondering, and the audience is curious, what's next now for you? More of the same. So every (laughs) time, every time that I work with someone, I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for patterns on what's holding them back. I'm looking for patterns on what's working. I'm looking for patterns on what tiny tools can make a huge difference. And frankly, I have to follow my own advice. How do I convey that? Because it's not always easy. I might see what kind of change someone would have to make, but if I can't communicate that well to Mm. them, they won't adopt a new technique to try. And then, so how do I make sure that I'm understood? And if you want to know a peek behind the curtain on what what works so well, it's I make sure that I record people after I've worked with them. I record them before Hmm. and I record them after because I can talk at you all day long about things that will help you improve your communication. But when you see yourself and we're looking at you just like after a sports game, you know, you can watch the the players watch Watch and see what they did. Watch the tape. Let's go back and watch the tape. That's what we do. And when someone sees themselves and says, wow, look, gosh, that took me like two minutes to explain that simple. That's crazy. I can do that. I can do better than that. And then that's where the magic happens because they're making their own change. So that doing more of that and helping people more to become comfortable watching themselves, because if you're wondering whether people like that, no, they don't. They hate it. And and I like to say to people, yeah, your voice does sound like that. Nobody likes the way their voice sounds, right? That's just, they think they're the exception when they say, oh, I just don't want to listen to myself because I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like the sound of my voice either. But you have to do that to become better. And so doing more and more of that just absolutely fires me up. I wish the audience could be here in the studio with us right now because they would see this person I'm standing across from who has these clear, bright, energetic eyes, these blue eyes, and a smile as big as the sun. And so your passion for what you do is so clear, Tracy. Thank you for the work that you do. And I'm excited about what we'll do together. And thanks for being on What's Next Now today. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff and I love talking with you. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Tracy. 